Good morning, church. It is so great to see you here at our Lenexa campus. Greetings to our Speedway campus and those of you watching online. Uh, Bob Hodgden uh, was a faithful Westsider for many, many years, and he is the epitome of our unshakable faith and love vision. If you listen to his story uh, as an adult and as a father, he made a 180-degree turn in his life, which is hard for men to do, and he went from walking away from God to running towards God. And one of the things that emerged in his life was this thing called generosity. And he didn't do it out of obligation or begrudgery, but rather he did it out of a heart of gratitude and obedience to the one who has saved his life, of whom he is now with personally. And the thing that is so amazing is how he transferred that eternal legacy of generosity onto his children. And not only to his children, but now to his grandchildren. And this should be the hope of our heart as well. Some of you who have children, they're even in the service today. The idea would be that they would see the generosity of your life and that you would transfer it onto them. So that now Bob is with Jesus in the heavens. The children are continuing on this eternal legacy. May his tribe increase among us. Uh, Bob was very blessed by God in his business. It was extremely successful. And historically, here in Kansas City, he was one of the founding members of an organization called The Signatory, uh, which really draws together uh, people of great generosity. And to date, they have raised billions of dollars for the kingdom of God. Most recently, the He Gets This campaign that you might have seen on Super Bowl commercials or basketball or whatever that is seeking to make the name of Jesus famous amongst people who've given up on Jesus. To date, I know this, is the, this may be like th- three months old information. They'd already raised $580 million. So Bob was a very gentle, quiet, humble man. He always sat in the South Sanctuary, and no one ever quite knew what of a giant he was. He didn't care about himself. He cared about the kingdom of God. The first time that I met Bob, I was just coming into town. We were at an event, and he wanted me to go out into his, to his car, and he opened up his trunk, and his trunk was filled with Founders Bibles. It's a special, very colorful Bible that also inserted the founding uh, principles and documents and quotes from our country and how it was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Bob was a follower of Jesus Christ, and he also loved this country deeply. And so Bob would be very pleased that we are observing uh, Memorial Day this weekend and on Sunday uh, announcing it that as followers of Christ, we should be more grateful than anybody else that right now you're sitting in this room and probably none of you have any fear that the government's going to come in and tell us we can't worship our Jesus. And uh, there are people who gave their lives for us to have that freedom. And so this Memorial Day weekend, I invite you to make sure you transfer that gratitude on to our kids so that when they take over leadership, they will also protect the freedoms that we have to worship God. Can I get an amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the life and legacy of Bob Hodgden. We know that he is with you now, and that hope has been fulfilled. And we pray that his tribe does increase among us, that we might become people of great generosity, not only in our lives, but to transfer it to our kids by the way in which we are living. And also, Father, in this moment, we take time to uh, thank all of those 
uh, who have given their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy. We do not take it for granted, and we will remember that this weekend, but beyond this weekend, on for the rest of our life, that you have caused them and enabled them to make this sacrifice for us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, and everyone who agrees with me shouted... Amen. Well, today we come to the end of our series, but not the end of our efforts. The Unshakable Initiative is not just a sermon series, but rather intended to be a movement where we mobilize West Siders to meet people at their point of pain by wrapping God's family around them. As a matter of fact, we know that one of the big points of pain in the state of Kansas, in Kansas City and Johnson County and Wyandotte County, is mental health. We remind you that the state of Kansas ranks dead last in all of the states, including Washington, D.C., in mental health struggles. And we're ranked number 59 in access to care. So last year when we entered into 40 days of prayer and fasting, God went before us before we even knew this truth about our state and about our city and prepared us for the unshakable initiative uh, where we are mobilizing Westsiders into community outside of the building around elementary schools with A2 communities within them, training everyone to care like Jesus, and then quadrupling our efforts in our professional care center, which is one of the largest in our city with more staff and more resources which also includes the building of a new care center on our property, and we're making very good progress. News is on its way. So we're super excited about where God has called us. This is not just a sermon series. It's the mobilization of our lives, including your lives. Now, uh, today, I want to uh, finish this series with where we began from a famous passage of Scripture. I don't think anybody would argue one of the most famous Psalm chapter 23. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 23. Also encourage you to open up the Westside app that has an outline as well as the scriptures for you to take notes and follow along. Today we are so blessed on this Memorial Day weekend to have our children with us. Let's give a hand to all of our kids in the house today here and at Speedway. Yeah, we love our kids. And here's what I want the kids to do today. When you came in, you received a piece of paper and some crayons. If you didn't get that, you or your parents can go. We have some people in the back uh, that will help you get that. Go ahead and do that now. Because what I want you to do as you're listening to this talk today, I want you to draw me a picture of what it is you are seeing that represents the message today. Okay? Uh, and at the end of the service, we're going to ask you uh, to present that picture to our elders who are in turn going to give you a shepherd's cane, also referred to as a candy cane. You can actually eat it. But today we're calling it a shepherd's cane. They're going to give that to you. And then next week when you come back, we'll post and display all of your pictures for everyone to see in art gallery of Psalm chapter 23. You do not have to be a kid to do this. You can be an, a teenager, an adult, and yes, you will get a shepherd's cane if you come down and present it to our elders. Now today, what I want to do is I want to have you memorize four simple lines that will be a declaration of this Hope Sunday. And the very first one is, 
I'm in a valley. Put that on the screen. Let's say it out loud. I'm in a valley. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Say it out loud with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In our very first week of this series, we uh, alerted you that the valley of the shadow of death is not just a metaphor, but it's an actual physical place in Israel. It is a place uh, between uh, the journey from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And here's a picture that one of Westsider members, a professional photographer, took as we stood right there. And you can see down in the valley that there are places, no matter what time of day it is, there's always a shadow on it where bandits hang out, where wild animals hang out. And oftentimes a person would go into that valley and they would be attacked and many of them would die as a result therefore it's called the valley of the shadow of death young David who penned this psalm as a young shepherd boy uh, would oftentimes have no choice but to take his sheep to graze in the valley of the shadow of death or one of the sheep would stray and he would be forced to enter in as a young boy in this fearful place in the valley of the shadow of death to rescue one of his father's sheep and the same is true of our life valleys are a part of life we cannot avoid the valley of heartbreak and the valley of disappointment or the valley of loss or the valley of confusion, the valley of illness and even the valley of death. And it's possible that when some of you became a Christian, someone either implicitly or explicitly gave you the idea that once you trust Christ, he will never let you enter into the valley. But that is simply not true. Even Jesus said to us, in this world, you will have many troubles. But yet, sometimes we go into the valley, maybe as a new Christian, and we think to ourselves, hey, God, where are you? And you get angry with God. You get ticked off at God because this was not the expectation you had. Well, you're not alone. The psalmist and the prophets would also say, God, where are you? So the first line is, I'm in a valley. Say that loud with me. I'm in a valley. Line two is good news. Ready? But I have a good shepherd. Say that all with me. I'm in a valley, but I have a good shepherd. Go back to Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. You could probably almost quote this, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, in this story, we are the sheep and God is the shepherd. And it says, I shall not want, which means that God meets all of our needs. In the New Testament, it reads, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I grew up in the inner city of Cleveland uh, most of my formative years, and I never actually saw a sheep in real life. But some of you Kansans people have seen some sheeps, and you know that sheeps are known for eating and eating and eating. As long as there is grass, they're going to eat long after they are no longer hungry. But in this particular scene, the sheep 
are laying down in green pastures, which means that there is still green grass to graze, but they are so satisfied that they're actually laying down. And the sheep is laying down in the open field where the predators can pounce on them, but because of the comfort they get from the presence of the shepherd, they lay in peace in the field. This is the experience of those of us who have Jesus Christ as our good shepherd. He will lead us to still waters where we can quench our thirst if we will but follow him. He will heal or restore our soul. The word soul means the whole of me, which also includes my mental health. He will lead me, if I dare follow him, into the best best and right path for me. He will lead me into the best and right path for me. See if you agree with me. Life is hard enough on its own without us making stupid decisions. Can I get an amen? Life is hard. So don't make stupid decisions to make life harder. If you follow God, he will make sure that you stay on the path that is best and right. But you also know about sheep, that they have a tendency of straying and going on on their own. Don't be that sheep. Okay, here's the phrasing. You got the first one? I'm in a valley, but I have a good shepherd. Here's the next line. If I have a good shepherd, he will be with me. Okay, let's say it all together again. I'm in a valley, but I have a good shepherd. If I have a good shepherd, he will be with me. Verse 4 again, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the truth. God never promised that you would not go through a valley, but he promised that he would be there with you. And we see that there's actually redeeming purpose In being in the valley. I identify three. Number one, the valley disciplines us. Sometimes, as we've already noted, sheep stray away. And sometimes we stray away and we purposefully walk into the valley of the shadow of death. We've chosen to walk into a dark place. But we recognize that God is never that far off. It's like the story that Jesus told about the hundred sheep and where the shepherd leaves the 99 who are safe and goes after the one who was strayed away and is lost. He leaves the 99 to go after you and I when we stray in the valley all on our own. He's never that far off. Now, the shepherd is, uh, has two utensils. One is a rod and one is a staff. Here's a picture of a rod. It is a smaller smaller than the staff, and the shepherd would use that to discipline the sheep. Why? Because when the sheep has strayed away and, uh, and they need to get back on the right path for their sake, you can't just talk to the sheep. Hey, little sheepy sheepy, you're in a really dark place. Why don't you come out? We're like that. God's screaming to us from his word, don't do that. We're like... And so the rod is the means which God gets us back on the path through tough discipline. 
But the valley also causes us to trust God more because that same rod will be used to defend us against our predators. When you and I are in a valley and it seems as though we have nowhere to turn, God intervenes and he protects and he rescues us. And when he does that, the next time we're in a valley, we're going to trust him more because the track record of God is always there intervening and protecting us. The role of the shepherd's staff is used with that crook on it, that bent on it. It's used to oftentimes grab the sheep and pull them out of a dangerous place. They might have spilled over onto a a cliff or might have uh, gotten into a difficult place. And the shepherd will use the crook in that that, uh, staff to grab the sheep and pull the sheep out because sheep get stuck a lot. Maybe you saw this video to remind us a little bit about ourselves. Take a look at this. The laughter of identification. That's how we look to God. Like, why did you jump back in the valley? I want you to listen to David. Young David, as he's being challenged by King Saul, that he's no match for the giant Goliath. This is what David's response is. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He was a bad dude, man. If this is what David did for the sheep, how much more so will God do this for us? And finally, the the valley makes us stronger. You've likely heard the phrase, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think that's generally true. I do know that when I went through a significant valley of depression two times in my life so far, extended times of clinical depression, uh, what I realized is that I came out of it stronger and I came out of it with more discipline and more wisdom and more empathy. I'm flat out a better person because of my trial. Because when I deal with you and I talk with you, my personal experience is able to identify with you. You've oftentimes hear cancer patients, and I scratch my head when they say it. It says, I thank God for this cancer. And what they're saying is that I'm no longer as fearful as you who've not had cancer because I've saw God in the midst of my pain and I got wiser and stronger as a result. Okay, let's see if you got it together now. We're going to build it up. Ready? I'm in a valley, but I have a good shepherd. If I have a good shepherd, he will be with me. One more time. I'm in a valley, but I have a good shepherd. If I have a good shepherd, he will be with me. Therefore, say it. It's not over. Say it with me. Therefore, it is not over. Verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For believers in Jesus Christ, the valley is not how your story ends. We turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, and we receive this conditional promise from God. I'm going to read it to you from the message translation because I'm afraid that many of you have heard this passage so many times you might let it just pass by you, okay? So listen up. Paul writes, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we do not know how uh, or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked out into something good. Here is the promise. It's conditional. If you love and follow the good shepherd, he promises at the end of the day a good story for your life. Does anybody hearing my words want a good story for your life? That is in the hands of the good shepherd. And the biggest win of all is eternal life in the new kingdom of God where we will forever and ever not face any of the fears of the valley of the shadow of death again. Can I get an amen? We come out of the valley and we will dance on mountains. I opened up this series uh, doing a reading out of a book where I talk pretty extensively throughout the book about my depression. And I opened it up with a reading in the opening chapters called Stuck in the Valley. When I come to the end, I have a chapter entitled Dancing on Mountains. If you were here for the first week, you might have heard me read about the many evenings of sleepless nights where I was self-loathing, I was beating my pillow, and I just couldn't come out of it. And I come to the last chapter, and uh, I talk about the first night that I'm, I've gone to bed, and I'm not doing that anymore, and I just talk about that experience, and I call it dancing on mountains. The truth is, for me, my story is that it's been seven years since I have been in that valley. God has healed me. Now, I anticipate that I have several more valleys ahead of me. But because of my experience with the Good Shepherd, I'm confident that as I enter into them, he will be with me. And if you have a relationship with him, he will be there with you as well. But instead of reading my story, I wanted to read of a Westsider story, a young man who today is 23 years old. He gave me permission to tell you his story. He says, growing up, I was overweight, quiet, and not confident. I had adapted to not valuing myself and put, uh, all, uh, I put uh, all efforts in others. This all came from classmates, family, and coaches bullying me. Over time, I thought if I always said yes and did what I was asked, I would be accepted. But that never worked out. This was my life from third grade to age 23. Fast forward to April 20th, 2022, at the age of 22. He says, on this particular night, I was having a big anxiety attack, and I was spiraling. I started contemplating suicide. Thank goodness for my mom. She thought something was up. 
so her and my dad came and picked me up, and this is the first time I told them that I didn't want to live anymore. I just sat in the car and cried. My mom asked me, has God ever tried to tell you something? I knew exactly what she was asking because every time the church invited us to be baptized, I would have that fuzzy feeling in my chest and stomach, and I would always bury it time after time until that moment when I told my parents that I think God wants me to be baptized. So that night at 10.30 p.m. with lights on the west side pond, I got baptized in the pond, and the water was freezing cold. But it didn't matter on that night. Now... Uh, all doesn't change with sunshine and ro rose, uh, rainbows overnight, but it was the first day I didn't feel alone in the valley anymore. I could now feel that God was there to hold my hand and to guide me. I then learned from my doctors that I suffer from severe anxiety and severe depression from a lot of past neglect, rejection, loneliness, being overlooked and unnoticed. Now, how does one come to terms with all of this? For me... I actually find comfort in knowing that when I start to spiral, I'll just start talking to God and give him all of that fear of neglect, fear of rejection, and anxiety. Now we come to the Through the Valley series, and I have really connected to this series. It has helped me realize that I'm not alone. There are people just like me that are in pain and others who may not know where to turn or who to talk to. I'm now seeing a therapist who is helping me uncover things about me that I have buried for so long. I know that Randy, Pastor Randy, talks about rocks from Israel to remind him that God is with him and that he's not alone. Today I have a rock from the Sea of Galilee where Jesus said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? He said, I decided to get a wristband and I found one that is available online to help reduce veteran suicide. The wristband read, keep effing going. My mom wasn't a big fan of the saying on the wristband, so I have been looking for something else. I decided to make my own bracelet up that says, Through the Valley. And on the other side, on the underside, Psalm 23, 4. Then I thought, I'm not the only one who needs this reminder, so I purchased 50 of them with the goal to sell them and give the donation to help with our unshakable initiative. He wraps up his thoughts. Throughout, not just this series, but the whole Unshakable initiative, I have started to get the feeling in my chest again, like God is trying to tell me something. I think he is trying to tell me to share my experiences. My experiences can maybe help someone. I loved it a few weeks ago when you said, God can heal with the snap of a finger, or there is something God needs to prepare you for to help you learn to help you become stronger or wiser, and the valley can be a longer experience for you, but you will eventually get to the other side. Oh, I haven't made it out yet, but every day I keep, I keep taking one more step. That's good. And so um, I have one of the Through the Valley uh, wrist, uh, bands here. We have a picture of it. That's me as a hand model. And uh, we decided to come alongside of this initiative to help this young man. And uh, we sold all of these out in the first service, as you might suspect. But here's going to be a QR code that we're going to put on the screen. And you can take a picture of that. It will lead you to a site. For $5, you can get one of these wristbands. All the money will go to the In Unshakable initiative. 
Also, after the service, you can go out uh, into the commons area, and you can also chat with them out there, and they will lead you to order one or as many uh, bracelets as you would like. Let's do it one more time. I'm in a valley, but I have a good shepherd. If I have a good shepherd, he'll be with me. Therefore, it's not over. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's be standing to our feet. Our elders are going to be coming to the front to receive the pictures of our children and whoever else drew a picture, and you will get your shepherd's cane in return. Let's be worshiping our God.